You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're watching Pirate Breakdown with Sutton Young. Join Sutton every Wednesday night on the Sports Objective as he talks East Carolina football. Here's Sutton. And welcome in to Pirate Breakdown. Hope you all are having a great week. I am Sutton Young, joined tonight by Memphis Flyer and Memphis Magazine's own Frank Murtaugh. Frank, how are you doing, man? Great, Sutton. Happy to be with you. Thanks. Happy to be, happy to be with you as well. Great to uh, have someone from uh, Memphis land over in here. Um, certainly a big game. Uh, last year, we know how big of a game it was for ECU when they faced off against your Tigers. It was the first time that they had clinched bowl eligibility since 2014 and and Frank it just seems like Memphis is really hungry in this game it, it was a close close game last year one that many people involved with this Memphis with the Memphis program thought that they should have won so you definitely have to assume that they're going to come in hungry yeah son you know it, it, motivation is not going to be a problem for the Tigers this week you know this this is a group that is still I believe reeling from what happened last Friday night here at, in Memphis at, at Simmons bank Liberty stadium, as it's known now, uh, the, the collapse against Houston uh, was a hard thing to witness. Um, add to that, you know, what you mentioned, you know, a, a tough loss also at home last year to the pirates. Um, one that came down to a, you know, a two point conversion attempt that went awry. Um, the, the Tigers, the Tigers are going to come out there. They're, They'll be fired up. Is it is it going to be the right kind of fired up? You wonder. I mean, a, a loss like last Friday night, uh, I'm afraid, can linger, especially for a uh, for a program trying to find its legs. So we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about Ryan Silverfield and his team uh, come Saturday. No doubt about it. And, and you mentioned that with a, a team trying to find on its legs. I mean, you you look at ECU as well. I mean, you look at that state game and a one point loss for the Pirates, and then. You fast forward three weeks, lose to a, frankly, a horrible Navy team who have lost to FCS Delaware. It, it seems like for Memphis, I mean, as much as I don't want to say it, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this, I, I think Memphis will have a pretty good shot against ECU because based off of last week with ECU, the Pirates did not look good. The offense looked like they didn't even travel. So I, I think it's going to be important for EC's offense to capitalize this week. But at the same time, I think Memphis has a pretty big opportunity to uh, shut EC's offense down. You know, they've got that one common opponent, Sutton, you know, Navy, as you mentioned, and, and that the, the loss, uh, ECU's loss surprised me. Uh, the Tigers were able to handle the midshipmen up there uh, just the, the second week of the season. And it's, it's never fun playing that triple option as any, any coach will tell you any, any players been on the field against it. Um, you know, the, the Tigers, uh, they, they were taking care of business at home, you know, until last Friday night. And it looked like, you know, if you had a five and one team right now, undefeated in the, the conference, you're looking at a, at a Memphis team that would really be, you know, vying for, you know, spotting that conference championship game, which is every team's first goal in the league is to get to the, get to the, the conference title game. Now with, you know, with a loss hung on them. It's, uh, you know, no two-loss team is going to play in that game. So there's no margin for error for Memphis. East Carolina is, you know, fighting uphill, um, as you mentioned, with, with losing to Tulane last week. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting game. You know, 
two, two programs that, that are familiar with each other. You know, I wrote my column this week that, you know, Memphis has a problem in not having a, a quote unquote rivalry game each year. And it, and it's not Ole Miss, it's not Mississippi state, the SEC teams that come in, you know, periodically and usually, you know, beat up on the Tigers. It's not that, but when you're trying to find a, a program that is familiar to, to Memphis, that is, has gone back and forth, the Pirates actually, you know, on the edge in the series, uh, East Carolina's a rivalry game, and it's becoming that. And, it, and you know, next year when the, the league transitions, it'll be all the more so. So, um, yeah, it's um, uh, it, it's a healthy game for the AAC. Let me, let me put it that way. For you know, two teams, you know, needing to needing to find find traction, and um, um, it, they they tend to make for, for good football games. No doubt about it. And uh, something that you mentioned too. I mean, as the conference moves into this new era with these Conference USA teams. I was saying on a previous week's show that ECU and Memphis are going to be two of the big dogs in the AAC, and they, they're going to have to prove that the AAC is still the best non-Power 5 conference because when you look at it now, the teams to beat usually are Cincinnati and Houston. Those are the two big ones. Those are the teams also who are going off to the Big 12. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who can be that new perennial power. Excuse me, UCF as well. They're also heading out. I mean that that frankly is good for uh, both ECU and Memphis. But ECU and Memphis, I think, both have the opportunity next year and the year after to be that Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and games like these. I mean. Even if neither team makes it to the conference championship, they matter because the face of our conference, I think, lies in the hands of us, you all in Memphis, uh, South Florida, I mean, Temple. I mean, they're not too hot right now on SMU. Yeah, so that's that's the right that's the right spin, honestly. Uh, Ryan Silverfield has, has expressed, you know, I've asked him about, you know, this musical chairs of, of leagues, you know, with these with super conferences being formed. And his standard, you know, line is that he is he and the the Tiger staff are trying to put the program in the best light possible for whatever you know suitor may come along. And in, for that to happen, it's it's precisely what you're describing. Um, you know, we can we can mourn the loss of UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, but that's done with. And you know, who is going to be the dominant you know program in the AAC? And if if the teams that emerge and can dominate the league, you know, get in a conversation for a, you know, one of those, uh, one of those uh, New Year's six slots in the current system uh, can still be a player, but you don't want to fall into the middle tier. Cause I mean, it's not going to be Charlotte or North Texas or Rice. That's the standard bearer in the American. It's going to need to be a Memphis, you know, or East Carolina, you know, SMU goes way back. It's a, that's a football proud program um just you know, has has wobbled you know in the last couple of decades but they, they seem to be finding their way um yeah yeah fast forward a year two years five years east carolina and memphis may be it when it comes to the aac it, yeah and there's no doubt about it and i mean there's so many people who are making the joke of this is the cus american i mean it's the the old school conference usa with new faces I mean, as much as I hate to say it, it really is. I mean, when EC when Memphis were in the American when the league started, I mean, I personally think that the league's 
presence was a lot better than it is now. And especially with really your biggest three programs in recent years departing, it really does stink for the conference. And there was this whole fight about power six. The American is a power six conference. Okay. Yes. You can, you could, you could say that a few years ago, but unfortunately it's hard to say that once these teams leave and if teams like ECU, Memphis, and SMU don't compete with those big Power Five teams, then it's it's going to even push that argument even further away. Yeah, there's no question. You know, uh, speaking from Memphis in particular, the, the, the program is at such a crossroads, Sutton, because, um, you know, they're, they're winning, they're 4-2, but they're not drawing the kind of crowds that, you know, a Big 12 or an ACC, you know, whatever the Super League is, uh, expects or, or requires for for membership. You know, there were 28,000 people in the stadium last Friday night for a, you know, a primetime showdown with one of those big three programs that's leaving in a rival. You know, Houston and Memphis go way back. Um, you know, the week before against Temple, there were 23,000 fans in a, in a stadium, something that seats more than 50,000. That's not a good look for Ryan Silverfield. And, you know, the, the, the Tigers have a good team. They, they have playmakers that are, are going to be be fun to watch this Saturday and in the weeks ahead. Um, but they're, they're just not selling tickets. Now, some of this can be a lingering effect, I believe, of the pandemic and that bizarre 2020 season we all experienced. You know, so folks finding their way back into spectator sports and mm-hmm. do I want to give myself to – you know, fall Saturdays and college football. That, that's a question the Memphis community is asking itself right now. And if the answer is not yes, then the Tigers, are, you know, don't even need to be, you know, pretending to be contenders for one of those those um, big league memberships in the near future. It's, it's a serious crossroads the Memphis program is experiencing right now. Oh, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And frankly, for ECU, I think it's a similar state. I mean, ECU has been lucky. I mean, you, you most likely remember the days of Scotty Montgomery here at ECU, frankly, three of the most embarrassing years of ECU football. I mean, I, I still remember when your Tigers hung 70 on us. It was 49 nothing first half. I mean, attendance at Dowdy was the worst we had seen in 15 years. And for us, it's coming back. But in order for it to get to that elite level EC you saw in the early 2010s, 2010, 2011, 2012, I, I mean, frankly, you got to win. And the same goes for Memphis. Both teams have to win. I look at the, the days of Conference USA when ECU was winning most of those games. And frankly, the Justin Fuente days of Memphis when you guys were winning consistently. And, and same goes for Mike Norvell. The bottom line is, is if these teams want to have long-term success in an age where super conferences are forming, then they need to start winning now. Yeah, and, and winning big, Sutton. You know, I, I endured, you know, similar to what you described, uh, Larry Porter's two years here, 2010-2011, Tigers won a total of three games, and th- most of the games were over by halftime. It was, it was really deflating, and the, the Liberty Bowl was empty. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Justin Fuente, bless him, uh, unemployed right now. It's hard to believe, but Justin Fuente and then Mike Norvell, they did not only won, they won big, you know, they, they, they beat Ole Miss and they, you know, Mike Norvell won a conference title and, and took the team to the Cotton Bowl for crying out loud. 
three 10 win seasons, three, you know, top 25 finishes. That's that kind of stuff is, is foreign to Memphis football fans. You know, this is a, a basketball town that tries to figure out what to do for a couple of months before uh, the, the basketball season starts. But but it, it was shifting. The, the, the landscape was moving. Um, Ryan Silverfield worked under uh, Norvell for four years, took over. He actually took over for that Cotton Bowl game, which is makes him unlike any coach in the history of the sport, you know, coaching the, the biggest game in the history of the program, your first time on the sideline. But then three months later, suddenly he was in, in under pandemic conditions and trying to navigate a new world. And, you know, here with the transfer portals and NIL, um, Silverfield's winning, you know, four and two beats two and four or, or oh and six. And, and we've been there, but he, he's, it's one thing to win. Another thing to sell that brand, sell those experiences, uh, you know, three or four hour experiences on your, your precious weekend. And, and, you know, right now, Sutton, you're a sports fan at a hockey game last night. There are so many alternatives we have, so many choices. So how are you going to convince a family, uh, stu- students even, to spend their part of their weekend at a football game? It's, it's a real challenge. I, I'm honestly glad I'm not in that seat because I, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm not a salesman. And it, right now it's a sales job for, for these programs. I mean, you look at money's always been part of college football, but in this day and age, I mean, money talks. And people always ask me, oh, why isn't ECU poised to go to a bigger conference? Well, you know, it's not all about the winning play, too. I, I tell people all the time, if ECU was in Raleigh, they'd be in the SEC or a big-time conference. They're not, which puts more pressure on ECU to win. And for Memphis as well, like we've talked about earlier, this is prime time for the Tigers program to rack up some wins. And speaking of wins, Frank, it really seems like Memphis has the edge on Saturday. ECU, and in my opinion, as much as I hate saying this, looked like they they were a little identity lost on Saturday. The performance against Tulane was, frankly, one of the worst I've seen in a while. And uh, as far as an offensive scheme for the Pirates, uh, it's hard to say because you've got one of our best running backs, Rajay Harris, hurt. So, frankly, Frank, what what are your thoughts on Memphis's defense against DC's offense? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Sutton, uh, um, you know, Holton Ayler setting all these career records. He's a he's a prize for the league. I hope he's appreciated. Um, you know, you know the, the the balance of the season. The the Tigers have a have a playmaking defense this year. Something, you know, they, they've actually allowed more yards than, than the offense has gained slightly, but they, they forced turnovers in 11 straight games. And, and they've got, you know, it, playmakers on defense are rare. And, and I, I'll mention three for you. Jalen Allen up front on the line, uh, Xavier Collins at linebacker, and then Quindell Johnson, uh, safety. These three guys, they, they, they each have picks this season. Two of them have pick sixes. Um, they're, they're ball hungry. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, coaches every year, they say they're, they're coaching, you know, their players to force turnovers. I'm not sure it can be coached. I think that, you know, players have an ability to, to force a fumble, you know, punch a ball out, uh, know when to go for an interception and when a, just a, a pass breakup will do. Um, and, and the Tigers, they have three or four guys that, that fit that description. So I think that the defense is going to be, um, a, a challenge for, for Mr. Ehlers. Um, it's, uh, it, it's the matchup I'm looking most forward to seeing. You know, the Tigers have a balanced offense, and um, we can talk about that 
too. But that that defensive uh, uh, unit that that uh, Memphis has put together is special. Right, and uh, as you can see below the Tigers, they are plus nine in turnover battle as they force thirteen while only committing four. It seems like, and I've seen this the past couple weeks, I mean, ECU's offense is like a roller coaster. When they played South Florida, who, I mean, frankly, I would say is the worst team in our league, they put up monstrous numbers. But then you come to Tulane, looked horrible. I'll say it straight up, they looked horrible. And something else I'm going to be very interested to see is ECU's defense, and I personally think it's the best defense ECU's had since they won the conference championship in 2009. Frank, do you think that Memphis's offense will have a lot of success against ECU's defense? You know, um, Seth Hinnigan's a special guy. You know, the, the sophomore quarterback the Tigers have been leaning on, He's uh, he was precocious in, in playing last year, took the, the starting job his first game as a true freshman, and, um, you know, the, the Tigers split went six and six. He's, um, if, if anything, he's showing signs of, of, uh, of being a more developed, uh, you know, veteran quarterback. I guess that'd be expected, but still just a sophomore. He's, you know, we're six games in. He's only thrown one interception. He, he's managing the game well. Um, two weeks ago against Temple, he, he, he managed to scramble for some important first downs. He did the same thing against Houston, actually, as they were taking their lead. And, you know, I, I, I've come to believe that, uh, uh, you know, we, we love seeing the 300-yard the games, three or four touchdowns. But, you know, decision-making, if you've got the right decision-maker at quarterback, you're going to win more games than you lose. Mm-hmm. And Hennigan, I think right now, is he's distributing the ball well. Um, you know, it, it, the Tigers' running game, if, if Memphis had a running back that I could tell you had, you know, 650 yards here midway through the season – He'd be being, you know, celebrated uh, in the league and, and beyond. Well, the Tigers have three guys with 220, so they're they're spreading the ball and, and you know using a, a tailback by committee, which was not Ryan Silverfield's plan going in. He really wanted to find, you know, uh, you know, a, an alpha dog, but you know, Jevian Ducker, Asa Martin, and Brandon Thomas are the three guys that are sort of sharing the weight there. Um, the Tigers will move the ball, I believe. You know, it's um, I haven't seen a full East Carolina game this season, so I got I, you know looking at their defense will be fresh for me. Um, but uh, um, it, it should be a healthy matchup for the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. Um, something ECU has really been able to do well that they frankly haven't done well in a while is contain offenses and you. You look at the defense this year, and I've been telling people, like I just told you, it's it's the best defense I've seen in well over ten years, and something that frankly ECU fans aren't used to because of the, I mean, the days of Ruffin McNeil when Lincoln Riley was the OC. ECU was just known, known, known for just putting up points, and, and now it kind of seems like EC's identity right now, at least, is the defense. And another matchup I'm interested to see too. And frankly, it's an area where ECU has just struggled left and right is special teams. I mean, obviously, the uh, end of the game last year against Memphis and ECU, overtime game, Memphis elected to go for two. I'll say this, Frank, if ECU has any chance of winning this game, special teams has to be 100% on point. Yeah, boy, <laughs> I, I chuckle here because you're bringing up a sore point. I, I I laugh to keep from crying that 
the Tigers, uh, they win last Friday if it's not for special teams breakdown. You know, they gave up a 100-yard kickoff return um, in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, there, there was an onside kick with just a, a minute, 17 seconds left. If either of those plays goes the Tigers' way, they're five and one and, and on a, on a five-game winning streak. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's funny how that works. I've, numerous coaches have told me that uh, you won't necessarily win a game with your special teams, but, man, can you lose them fast. And um, the Tigers, as far as their special teams go, the, the guy to watch is, is Joe Doyle, their punter. He's, uh, he's remarkable. He's, he's putting the ball, you know, 55, 60 yards downfield and pinning opponents inside the 10. Um, and he's been needed a, a couple of games this year. He's, he's One year he was the special teams player of the week, I know. Um, I, I hear you, though. It's, uh, you know, if special teams go sour, look out. Um, the, the, the Tigers, I know if um, I haven't been to the practice field this week, I was in Chicago earlier, but uh, I, I would imagine there's been some emphasis on kick returns and, and punt returns and what have you. And, and, and just, just fielding an onside kick for crying out loud. Certainly in a, a Memphis year kicker and a Florida transfer, Chris Howard, 11 and 11 on field goals this year with a long of 47. I mean, frankly, I mean, I hate to say it, you can't say that about our kicker. I mean, two games where the, uh, I mean, frankly, the final play has come down to it, missed field goals. I mean, the state loss was, I mean, the final actual play missed field goal, and then Navy overtime was a missed field goal. So, frankly, that's my key for the game is special teams. And, and I think that goes both ways. Uh, Obviously, you look at the special teams you all had last week, and frankly, special teams for EC this year has just been a, a problem left and right. Frank, what's your big key for the game on uh, Saturday? You know, Sutton, I, I would look at the turnovers. I mean, it's the oldest cliche in, in football, but if the Tigers can continue that turnover streak, gain an extra possession or two, um, I, I think they'll prevail. Um, if if the pirate defense uh, hits them in the mouth and can you know can rattle Seth, um, you know that second or third interception this season for him, uh, it can go the other way. I, I you know talking with you especially, I, I think it's a it's a matchup that um, will help shape a season for for one of these programs or maybe both of them. No doubt about it. And I said last week on the show that uh, if ECU lost to both Tulane and Memphis you can forget about bowl eligibility for the Pirates. I think in you all's case, you have a little bit more of a luxury. I, I, I personally think Memphis will make a bowl. I do. Uh, right now, I do not think ECU is primed to make a bowl. Uh, as far as the game tomorrow, uh, prediction for me, I hate doing it. I mean, I love EC more than anybody, but I have to be honest. And if I'm going to be honest, like you mentioned early in the show, I mean, the loss to – Houston last week was, I mean, it was big for Memphis. And I certainly think that the Tigers are hungry. And I could easily see this being a two-score game. I'm going to go I'm going to go 34-23. I do think Memphis is going to win. And I think special teams will be a problem again for ECU. And I think Memphis's offense is going to light it up early and will be able to cushion that late in the game. Frank, what's your score, man? Well, you know, it's – I wish I could co go two directions because, as I said, one of two Memphis teams is going to show up, the one that is still rattled by what happened last Friday or one that's motivated to prove that that's not the, the team they are. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume the latter is going to show up, and, and I, I'm not sure they're going to score as many points 
Um, I, I think the defenses may may stand up and, and and have a say in this affair. I guess I'd go with Memphis 24-17, um, but a game that's you know played down to the fourth quarter. And and once again, I, I think an extra possession for one team or the other uh, will probably swing it. It's a good deal, man. I, I, I like that prediction. I could see it going that way. Who knows? Maybe these uh, throwback uniforms ECU is wearing could be the difference. But, you know, I, I as much as I love what the team's wearing, it's not about that. It's about the play. And I think Memphis is going to be ready to go. And at the same time, I think ECU has a sour taste in their mouth, too. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Frank, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the time. It's going to be a great game on Saturday. It's great being with you, Sutton. I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to the ballgame. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you all for joining me as well. And make sure to watch the game at 730. It's homecoming, too. So if you're heading out to the game, go to the parade, have some barbecue, enjoy the tailgate, and enjoy a great team with two teams that are hungry to prove doubters wrong. We will see you next week here on Pirate Breakdown. Until then, have a great night.